Okay, so this morning, as we um, jump into God's Word together, um, we're starting a new series we're going to do, just a, a quick kind of three-week series. We've been coming out of a series we've been doing called Following Jesus, and we're going to build on that and start a series called Beholding Jesus. And so what we're going to do is for the next three weeks, we're going to just look at the Christmas story, at the nativity, and the people that were around Jesus as God came to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. And so we're going to dive into this together this morning. Um, you know, one of the things I've loved about living here in our area um, is just how beautiful it is. I don't even think I fully appreciated over the years as I, I just kind of knew Knoxville from a distance. I really just saw what you can see from the interstate. And so, you know, you drive along and it's like, I don't know, there's some businesses and a random downtown and that's fine. But like, let me get past that till I can see the mountains. And really getting off the interstate and starting to live here and recognizing, man, there's like this, this beautiful river, kind of opens up into a lake in certain parts. And man, the sunrise on the water is just amazing. Um, seeing the mountains, whether it's in the distance or going on an adventure for the day and seeing the mountains, it's just beautiful. And I've been, I've been so grateful now several months into living here, I just find often on, on a morning commute, I still have that same sense of wonder that I did like eight or nine months ago when we were getting here. And it's just amazing to me. And, and often, um, you know, I see it, I glimpse it, and then I keep rolling. But every now and then, the sight compels me to pull over, to slow down, and really take it in. And, and my heart, my hope over these next few weeks, and really for us through this season, it's a busy season. I mean, I love Christmas time. It's a lot of fun, but it's busy. There's stuff every night of the week. There's shopping to be done. There's people to see. There's errands to run. And, and my hope is in the midst of this season that we would be able to pull over and slow down and behold Jesus. Behold the sight of what we're celebrating and really take him in. Um, the word behold, it means to fix your eyes upon to see with attention. It's not just a glimpse. Seeing with attention. It means to observe with care. It means to direct or fix the mind upon. So it goes from just visual sight to really like taking it in, dwelling upon what you're seeing, directing or fixing the mind upon it. And it also means to see clearly and fully, to get a real depth and a clarity. So my heart is that that's what we would be able to do together, is that we would fix our minds upon Jesus. We would slow down and, and look at him. Uh, I want to give you a few quotes here that I, I think highlight the importance of what we really behold, what, what has our attention, what influences us. Uh, the late, great A.W. Tozer put it this way, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I want to say that again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, we could actually spend weeks unpacking the implications of that sentence and why it's so important. Um, but I think C.S. Lewis gives a little bit of clarity of, of one reason why that is so massively important. When he talks about his Christian faith and he says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. 
See, the reality is our view of who God is, it doesn't just impact our ability to see him and know him and recognize him, but it's the filter that we see the rest of the world through. The way I view my own life, my family, my place in this world, it's directly impacted by my view of who God is. And so if I, if I really take him in and understand him and, and bask in the glow of who he is, and then I let that light of who he is shine upon everything else in my life, it will change who I am and how I live and what I see. Now, it's not just um, famous theologians that understand this. It's not just fathers of our faith. Our enemy understands this. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, and he says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Check this out. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The enemy of our souls is saying, if people really saw Jesus, if they caught a glimpse of who he is, if they saw his image in all its glory and that light shone upon them, it would change everything. And so I've got to keep them blinded to that. I've got to keep them busy, distracted, frustrated. I've got to give them false views of who God is. Anything I can do to keep them from seeing this thing that would radically change their life. It is of utmost importance that we behold Jesus, that we stop, that we slow down, we gaze upon him, that we let the reality of who he is be clearly and fully seen, that we're willing to fix our minds upon him. I think it's ironic that in the midst of one of the best seasons of the year that is is filled with, with ideas of joy and giving and peace and life, that it's become so full of activity that even, even the folks who love Jesus the most, we can become so busy and distracted in it that we're unable to behold him. And so my, my hope is that we can get a taste of looking at him. So this morning, we're going to behold Jesus through the lens of Mary and Joseph. And as, as the reality of Jesus coming to earth kind of came crashing into their lives, what did they see? What did that look like for them? What did that mean for them that Jesus was coming into their midst? And so let's start with Mary. Um, this passage is found in Luke chapter 1. Um, we're going to be, if you're following along with your own Bible, we're going to be in, in Luke chapter 1 and in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to see this story from two different vantage points, from Mary's and from Joseph's this morning. So Luke chapter 1, we're going to start with Mary, and we're going to talk about the idea of what did she behold? What did she see when this announcement came crashing into her life? So Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, that month refers to her, her um, not just her friend, kind of her cousin, um, Elizabeth, is six months pregnant. That's where the story is picking up. And so in the sixth month of her, her cousin's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I love Mary. She's pretty sharp. She's like, wait a minute, something's going on here. Why did this angel just show up? Highly favored one, greeting. She's like, hmm, I'm discerning that something out of the ordinary is happening here. Um, 
she's, she's, she's recognizing this is an interruption in her life. And she's kind of concerned by it. Listen, Mary was not at a place where she was looking for God to come crashing into the middle of her world. She's this young gal getting ready to get married. She's in preparations for this new life that's in front of her. Um, we'll talk a little bit more in a moment about what betrothal means in that culture, but like she's a good way into the process of being married to her future husband. She's going to live in a new place. She's going to set up a new home. Maybe at some point she'll have a family. Like her life is kind of in front of her and she's living it. She's walking it out. In the midst of just a normal life, excited about the future, minding her own business in a quiet little town called Nazareth, her life gets interrupted by this angel that shows up. And here's what the angel asked her to consider, to pay attention to. As he comes and he interrupts, verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, notice how he uses that word. He asked her to, to pay attention, to see this clearly. Lean in. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So this angel shows up and he, and he invites her to consider who this child is going to be, who Jesus is going to be. And one of the things he does, he just explains who he is. Mary, let me help you understand who this child is. This child is the son of God. He's the son of God. This child is also going to be a man. You're going to give birth to him. This child is going to be God and man come together in one. And there's something very specific he's going to do. He's going to be the one that comes and he's going to be the eternal king. He uses terminology with her that she would be familiar with. He's going to be in the line of David. Well, if, if you were a young gal growing up in the Jewish culture, you knew that King David, there was going to come a day where there was going to be a king in that line that was going to rule eternally. You knew that. You knew there was a Messiah coming. Then she uses the terminology, or the angel uses the terminology of the house of Jacob. So he's talking like big picture. This isn't just a king. This is the king. He's going to rule forever. He's going to have an eternal throne and an eternal kingdom. This angel gives her the big picture view, really, of the gospel. God is coming to the earth, and he's going to be king, and his kingdom will last forever. This is the long-awaited promise. But not only does God give Mary a picture of Jesus, big picture, who he is, what he's up to, but he also gives her a picture in a very personal way. What this is going to mean to her life. Jesus is going to come and he's going to belong to you. He's going to do something in you. In fact, you're going to hold him like a child. You're going to bear him in your womb. You're going to give birth to him. You're going to raise him. You're going to be his mother. See, when we're invited to behold Jesus, we're invited to get a glimpse of the glory and majesty of who he is. He is globally, eternally, forever the king. But he's invited. He wants to come. He's knocking at the door saying, can I come into your life? Can I be your king? Can I be your eternal king? Will you hold me close? Will you come see how I want to personally touch and intervene in your life? 
And what I find interesting about this story, you know, Mary, Mary wasn't this person who was walking through life who just suddenly decided, you know, I feel like I really need to turn my heart and attention more to God. Let me see if God wants to do something with my life. Let me see if there's something he's calling me into. This is a divine interruption into her life. She's an ordinary, faithful, godly young lady. And God comes crashing and intervening, saying, hey, I, I want to do something in you and through you that's going to change your life forever. And it's going to have an eternal impact on the world around you. So that's the message that gets delivered to Mary. Well, while this angel comes and interrupts Mary's life, something very different interrupts Joseph's life. See, Joseph isn't just minding his own business and the angel shows up to him. They didn't, they didn't have this encounter the same night. A little bit of time has passed, and Joseph, who is supposed to be getting married to Mary, his life has been interrupted by a scandal. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 tells us the story from Joseph's perspective. And it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So something has taken place where he's found out she's pregnant now. Some time has passed. And she's communicated to him, this has happened because of the Holy Spirit. And I love how real Joseph is. He's just, he's a regular guy. He's a regular dude. And in verse 19, it says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. See, what I love about this guy is, number one, he's not a fool, right? He's going, I don't know if I can believe this story. He's wrestling. He's hurting. I mean, his whole life was heading in a certain track. This was the, this was the girl that was for him. And he's wrestling with being betrayed. And then she won't even just fess up and say, it's, you know, hey, hey, Joe, it's John down the road that I was with. Like she's saying, God did this. Like he's wrestling with all this stuff. And yet in the midst of going, I think I'm going to have to end this relationship. Even in the midst of that, he's a good guy. Says he's a just man. He's like, I, I don't want to shame her. I don't want to embarrass her. And I don't want her to be at risk of having some very severe consequences in that culture, it was possible to be, to be stoned for this, for having a child out of wedlock. And so he was going to do this quietly and reduce the shame. But he's wrestling with this. His life has drastically changed from what he thought he was going to experience. And so it's not an angel that's come and interrupted his life. Tragedy has, scandal has, disruption has. His hopes and dreams are being dashed here. And so in the midst of his wrestling with this and, and just kind of weighing all of these things in his mind, he's grappling with the reality of what this is going to look like in his life. See, in that Jewish culture, um, a wedding was really broken down into three phases. There was the engagement. And the engagement was like a formal agreement um, made ultimately by the fathers. So some understanding has taken place between the young man and the young woman. The fathers come together. There's an agreement. They're engaged. They're intending to get married. Then they moved into a second phase called the betrothal. And this is where a ceremony has actually already taken place. This would be a public ceremony. And so they got together. It would, it would probably mostly mirror our, our wedding ceremonies of today. The, a ceremony was, was had and mutual promises were made. 
And then there was a third phase where the marriage becomes official. And this would happen any time within about a year's time frame. And what would happen is during that year, at an unexpected time, the groom would show up and the bride would become his bride. And so there was this interesting in-between. And so they're in the in-between. They've publicly let people know we're getting married. They've been betrothed. They've had this ceremony. They're in a small town. Nazareth was tiny. Everybody knew everybody. And so in the midst of him thinking, really at any day, he may show up and say, it's official, we're married, here we go. This has happened. And so he's wrestling through this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She was telling the truth, bud. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Again, we see a glimpse of Joseph being told who, who Jesus is. Big picture. He's going to save his people from their sins. So Mary, he's the eternal king. Joseph, he's the one who comes and forgives sins. I find it interesting that, that Joseph is the one that gets told about that. Because he's wrestling with, can I forgive this woman who sinned against me? You know, we, we reflect back on history, so we read the story and know, well, you know, obviously Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. We know all that, and they get married, and they go on to the nativity scene and have the baby in the manger and all that stuff. Like, we know the whole story. These guys don't. This is a real man who a real young lady walked up to him one day and told him this story. And now God has intervened and said, no, Joseph, actually, I'm in the middle of this. I'm in the middle of this. And this, this son is no ordinary child. This is the son of God who's going to forgive people for their sins. Mary, he's going to reign eternally as king. But then he gets personal with Joseph. What's interesting is, is the angel in this dream describes to him the process. The Holy Spirit has come. God is the father. Mary is going to bear this child. And yet look how it gets personal. Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. He's, he's being asked to be that surrogate father. Will you step in? Will you name him? Will you take him on as your son? Will you do that? See, when we behold Jesus, the reality of who he is and who he wants to be in our life come crashing together. And we're called to see him for who he is and what he is eternally, big picture, but we're invited to see what it would mean if Jesus comes into my life. And this, this isn't just a one-time yes to Jesus. They're very real interruptions that Jesus wants to make in our lives. I don't know when they're coming. They may show up while you're minding your own business, going about your day, doing your own thing, living your life. And God shows up and says, hey, I want to do this. And it's going to be amazing and it's going to be glorious and it's going to cost you something. But I'm in it. Or you may find yourself like Joseph in tragedy going, why am I here and what is going on and how could anything good possibly come from this? And my life is falling apart. God, what are you up to? And in that season, God can show up and say, I'm in this too. 
I'm here. I'm right here. Will you behold me? Will you see what I want to do? Even in the midst of this difficulty and tragedy, will you invite me in? And I'm going to call you to step into it. I'm going to do something in you in this situation. And so, minded in your own business or in the midst of difficulty, God can show up. And he'll say, will you see me? Will you behold me? Will you recognize what I'm up to? And when we slow down and we're willing to behold him, something miraculous will begin to happen in our heart. We will reach a point where, where we're invited to move from beholding to believing. Will I take what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm gathering in, and will I make a decision in my own heart to say, yes, I believe that. I acknowledge what you're saying, Lord, and I want to say yes to you. And so we reach this moment, this crisis of belief. And so we pick back up with Mary. She's heard everything the angel has to say. She's weighing the possibilities of what this might mean in her life. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I love that. When God reveals himself to us and calls us to make a decision, he's actually willing to hang in there with our questions. It's normal to go, what does this mean? What's this going to look like? How is this going to impact my life? What am I going to do now? How is this going to take place? God, I don't understand. And the angel doesn't go, you're questioning me? Well, forget you. I'm moving to the gal down the road. She can be the one that gives birth to the Savior. No, he engages right there with her doubts, with her questions, with her wondering. He engages with her. And they wrestle this out together. And so she brings her question and the angel answers her. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. God is going to do something miraculous. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, let me encourage you. Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the second month with her who is called barren. Hey, Mary, I'm going to tell you I'm going to work a miracle. And I'm going to encourage you with one you can already see. I'm not going to leave you hanging. I'm going to show you something you can hold on to that can encourage you, that can strengthen you to believe and trust. And then he says the most important thing in the passage, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. When, when we behold him and we invite him in and we move into believing, he comes and we're, we're right there together. He is with us. Jesus wasn't just God with us, big picture. He's God with you. He's God with me. He is with us. And he says, when you let me draw near and come and be a part of your life and invade your circumstances, and when you invite me in close, when you behold me so close that you're literally holding me, when we're right there together, I'm with you. And the thing that seems crazy, impossible, doesn't make any sense, it can happen because I'm right there with you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, nothing is impossible. And so what does Mary do? She now has a decision to make, and she leans in and she believes. Luke 1, verse 38. Then Mary said back to the angel, I love that she uses the same words here. Behold, hey, you come check this out. You come lean in close. Watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to be crazy enough to say yes. 
I don't know if you've ever reached one of those moments, those, those crises of belief where you're like, this is crazy, this is nuts, but okay, God, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to dare to trust. I'm going to dare to believe. I'm going to say yes. Watch what he might do. And so she says, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She chooses to believe, and she says yes. You know, i got to believe. God just knew something about Mary and Joseph. He knew what was in their guts. He knew what they were made of. And what a cool couple that he could go to someone like Mary, and she would say yes, and then to have this man Joseph in her life that would allow God to speak to him through a dream. And Joseph does something very similar. And so here he is in the midst of the wrestling I just want to put this in front of us again one more time. Matthew 1, 19 and 20. Her husband Joseph, he's a just man. He's unwilling to put her to shame. He'd kind of been resolving to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream. And in the midst of the crisis and the wrestling, God shows him up and invites him to believe. And we're told this about what God was speaking. Verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. I find it interesting that to both of them, it was emphasized that God was with them. You know, we said at the beginning, it's, a, it's, a, it's important, the view of God that we carry around in our heart and in our mind, how we view him is important. Well, if he's a distant God that just has some high expectations of me or gets frustrated or disappointed with me, when this kind of reality happens in my life, I just feel this distant pressure to, do I do it or do I not do it? I don't feel particularly close to God, so I don't, I don't even know. Can I really know him or trust him? I don't know. It just feels distant. But he's emphasizing to them, I'm with you. I'm drawing in close. Believing... Is, is the holding part of beholding. I want to say that again. Believing is the holding part of beholding. It's where we move from seeing him to, to going like this. God, I'm choosing to believe in you, and so I'm, I'm clinging to you. Sometimes you might feel like you're kind of on your knees, like just holding on for dear life, like, okay, God, I'm, I'm holding on to you right now. Sometimes you're holding on to him might kind of look more like, can you, can you come help me for one second, Alex? Sorry, I know you're like holding something. Sometimes beholding him might look more like this. God, I can't hold on right now, but will you hold me? Yeah. Hold me, Alex. <laughs> I get, this is like our once a week hug. Um, no, but like sometimes holding on to him is really like, God, all I can do is this, and you hold on to me. I'm leaning to you. Thanks, dude. Yeah, you're welcome. That wasn't, that, how awkward was that on a scale of like one to 10? Was it like an 11? <laughs> I don't know. That's my bro. All right. So we, uh, it's not just I cling to him. He clings to me. It's an embrace. It goes both directions. God's already leaning in saying, I love you. I'm with you. I know I'm asking you something crazy. It might be crazy for you mentally. Like you might look at this and go, this just flies in the face of reality to me. I don't understand. How can, how can God become man? I don't get that. Or maybe you look at it and go, God, I can trust you, but I don't trust myself. You want to use me? You can do something in my life? 
God, you'll forgive me? I can barely forgive myself. God, I don't know. But he leans in close. He says, I love you and I want to hold you and you can come hold on to me. And if you'll, just, if you'll just slow down and listen to who I am and my heart for you, who I am and how much I love this world, but how much I love you personally and want to do something in your life. It might be challenging. It might be radical. But behold me and believe in me. Come hold on and let me hold on to you and watch what will happen. And so the story continues. And Joseph does the same thing by some miracle. He says yes. He wakes up from this dream, and in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. He said, all right, that's my boy. I know he's the Lord's, but that's my boy. And he named him. He chose to believe, and he said yes. Now, here's the beautiful thing that happens in this story. Because they both said yes, they beheld, they believed, they were able to see God do something, and it gave birth to a whole new life. And so the very familiar story goes that the Caesar sends out the decree that all the world should be taxed, and everybody's got to go back to their hometown. And so here, Joseph and the line of David, Mary is the same, they travel to Bethlehem together. She's now big and pregnant with that baby. And they travel to that little town of Bethlehem and they go to register. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You know, what's interesting to me about this story is um, you know, their life circumstances didn't just suddenly change because they said yes to Jesus, because they said, yes, God, come do this in my life. In fact, it probably even got harder. You know, I don't know if you figure this out. Maybe you've, you've lived in a bubble somewhere, but like people talk, people gossip, people say negative or hard things about us, word spreads. You know, people are doing the math. Okay, you were betrothed on that date. You actually got married on that date. Hmm, seems like maybe you got pregnant before you got married. There's still some scandal. What are people thinking about them? They have to take this long trek. Where are they? They must be poor. I mean, listen, even if, even if the inn is full, like if you got money, they kick somebody else out and let you in, Right? They show up to town. There's nowhere to stay. They're in a stable. I can't even imagine what it was like to know we're giving birth to the Son of God and we're in the barn. We're with the animals. But they had Jesus. He was right there in their arms. Jesus came right into the reality of their life, their world, the difficulty that they faced, the trouble that they were experiencing. But they got to hold him. They got to see the birth of the thing Jesus wanted to do. For them, literally, they're holding baby Jesus. But I believe God wants to birth things into our lives. He wants to do radical, amazing things in us, with us, in the world around us. There's things God wants to speak into us and go, I want to give birth to this in your life. And if you'll slow down enough to behold me and listen and see what I might say. 
if you'll be crazy enough to take me at my word and believe and hold on to me. There's a time coming, no matter what the circumstances are of life, where you're going to be able to hold on to and see that thing that God is giving birth to in you. Will we say yes? Will we behold him? I want to finish by reading the words of a, a hymn written by Isaac Watts. This is a, a portion of the hymn, Dearest of All the Names Above. He writes and he says, Till God in human flesh I see, my thoughts no comfort find. The holy, just, and sacred three are terror to my mind. But if Emmanuel's face appears, my hope, my joy begins. His grace removes my slavish fears. His blood removes my sins. There's an invitation to know God, to see him, to catch a glimpse of who he really is, to experience his radical love, to watch him intervene in my life right now. And so I want to encourage you guys as we get ready to pray for a minute. I don't know where your story is right now. I don't know if you're a little more like Mary where you're just you're, you're plugging along. Life's fine. Life's good. You're walking that road. And maybe God just wants to stop and slow down and speak to us. Let us see him. Let us recognize who he is. He might even intervene with something crazy like giving your life to him. Or maybe he'll invite you to be a part of some story he wants to tell in your life. And you might have to say yes to some crazy idea. He may do that. You might be a little bit more like Joseph where you're going, man, I wish God would intervene. I don't know what to do right now. Life is hard. It's difficult. The circumstances tear me up. God, what are you doing? What are you saying? But I just wonder, instead of worrying and pondering in our mind and wrestling, if we just slow down and say, okay, God, I just need a glimpse of you. Who are you? Where are you? What are you doing? What are you saying? If we would stop and behold him, what he might say, what he might do, giving us the ability to behold him, to believe him, and then give birth to some whole new thing in our life he wants to do. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are God with us. Your very life declares that. You are God in human flesh. Jesus, we thank you that, that you are still God, that you are still alive, that you are on the throne. Jesus, we thank you that you draw near, you make yourself known even still to this day to us frail human beings. God, to us Mary and Joseph's just walking through life. And God, I pray for my own heart this morning. I pray for my friends. Lord, that you would come, continue to tell your story. God, show us what it means that you're the eternal king. God, remind us that you forgive our sin and that you forgive the sins of the whole world. But Jesus, would you come in close and do that thing that is so unique that only you can do where you know what's happening deep in our heart. God, you know our thoughts and what we wrestle with. Lord, I pray we would slow down and behold you as you lean in close to speak into our life. God, interrupt us. Interrupt our busy daily life. God, intervene into our difficulty, our tragedy, our scandal. God, would you show up and we have eyes to behold and see what you're doing and then take you at your word and believe and watch and see what you may do in our midst. We love you. 
to the powerful Son of God that we pray in his name, Jesus. Amen.